Malachi chapter 2. We're going to dive in because there's a lot uh, to go over this evening in our study in Malachi chapter number 2. Now, we're going to read the chapter here in just a moment. And uh, let me get my cough drops set here. I got four. So we're good. We're good. We're good. I think these will last long enough. All right. Malachi chapter 2. There, it, it's kind of coupled, interestingly, in this chapter. Uh, there's basically a subject matter, and it deals with the priest uh, of Israel. God was not happy with them at all at this point in time in their history. There was a time in which he was very pleased with them, but this is not one of them. We have looked in, as we've looked in several of the, uh, the, the um, minor prophets, we've discovered that there are issues with the nation of Israel, and much of that falls back on the spiritual leadership of, of the nation. And these guys, they, they had, they, they had the uh, wonderful blessing of the Lord upon them. And they had every means and opportunity to uh, lead the nation of Israel in the right direction. In fact, we're going to look at something in a little bit, and we're going to see from the Old Testament law of exactly how they were supposed to uh, be, le be leading. And as a result of what they're doing now, they have the opportunity to receive blessing, or they have um, the problem of receiving a curse. It wasn't just the priest and the spiritual leadership, it was the entire nation. But, again, we all know that the nation of Israel followed that spiritual leaders. And we learned also from history, from the, from the historical facts of the nation of Israel, whenever they had a bad king, you know, what would they do? Typically. Yeah, they would follow that king. They would do evil as well along with that king. When they had a spiritual king, and, and mind you, there, there was very, very few spiritual kings in the nation of Israel in, in, its, in its entirety. And so when, when there was a good king and they would follow that, or when a great prophet would come along and try to, try to get them straightened out and all that, you know, they would see the error of their ways and they would, they would try their best to get in there. But these prophets would do their best to try to, direct them and direct everyone whether it was the spiritual leaders in the priest or the people or the the, the political leaders what have you it doesn't matter but uh, these men were trying their best to get get them in going in the right direction so here's what happens so we learn this in chapter one that the Lord is really rebuking the priest in chapter one well he continues that in chapter two but it's a little bit more intense because he goes back and he gives them some factors of their past and with the very first of the priestly line of Aaron's. Of Aaron's Aaron was the first high priest, but those priests came from the tribe of Levi. And in being in the, from the tribe of Levi, God had set a, a specific order and a place for them uh, to do this great work for him. In the temple and in the tabernacle in the wilderness. So we're going to see that tonight. Um, so in his, in his rebuke, we learn this too. You know, from, from uh, chapter 1, remember that there, uh, when, when the Lord is using Malachi, Malachi is getting on to them and, and they've polluted things and they've despised the name of the Lord. Remember what they said? 
we're in. When did, when did we pollute things? Well, when, when did we despise your name? We're the spiritual leaders. Yeah, but they, they, they were going in the wrong direction. So even, even though all of that happens, so uh, in chapter 1, Malachi continues this. They're supposed to know God's direction. These spiritual leaders, they're supposed to know that. And so they're given that responsibility to teach the people the words of God and, and the commands of Scripture. And what happens is they're not following the protocols and the things that God has set for them to be a part of and, and, and to follow and teach them. So here's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to read, and um, we'll, we'll read at least down through verse number 9. I think we'll be okay by stopping there, but uh, maybe verse 10. But here's what we'll talk about tonight, the disappointment of God. I, I find this interesting, that when we as a people disappoint another person, it kind of, Kind of hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Does, does it? does it kind of do something to you whenever you are the one who's disappointed somebody else? Or when they've let you know that? Or, let me, let me reverse it. When someone has disappointed you, how, how does that kind of make you feel? All right. it, it, it's kind of a bummer, isn't it? It's kind of a letdown. Well, think about how God feels after all the things that God has done for them. All the blessings that God has provided... All of the, uh, the, the, the multitude of things that God has helped them through, with, through oppression, through uh, uh, captivity, feeding them, giving them water to drink, clothing them, all of those things that God has done, and yet they're, they're, they're a disappointment to the Lord. Let's read about it, all right? Let me show you what I'm talking about. There, there's some bright points here, okay? We'll, get, we'll see the bright points, but, but we've got to focus a little bit because they disappointed the Lord. Look with me, if you would, at verse 1. And now, O oh, you priest, this commandment is for you. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I've cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces. <coughs> even, even the dung of your solemn feast, and one shall take you away with it. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you. That my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you are departed out of the way. You've caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people. 
according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Read verse 10 with me. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Again, more questions that Malachi asked. I'm going to stop reading there to help conserve a little bit of time. And uh, yeah, also that, that thing in my throat's acting up again. All right. Here's what I want to look at first of all <clears throat> in the first four verses of this chapter. And that is the, the commandment given. And it's kind of obvious in the text of Scripture here. All of these things this, this evening, they're right in the text. It's not, sometimes, it, uh, you, sometimes you struggle with words or points uh, to come up with a word for a point and all that. It is so simple here within the text. Look, at verse, look again, look at verse number 1. Now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. All right, so the commandment is given. All right, does that make sense? All right, it's, it's, it's kind of obvious, but he elaborates a little bit. So what is it about this commandment? The commands of the Lord are very, very clearly given to the priest. In fact, the words that were, that, that were given to Moses from the Lord, and Moses then in turn gives and speaks to the children of Israel. He said this in Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse number 1. He said, keep all the commandments which I command thee this day. And that's not the first time the Lord had told Moses to say that to the children of Israel. There were multiple commandments, uh, not just the ten that we see you know, etched in stone in some places or maybe a little placard at the house or maybe a card tucked away in your Bible. Those are ten great commandments and they cover a lot of bases, but there were a lot more commandments, more than 600 of them actually, that we have in Scripture. When, when God said, uh, told Moses, now, I need you to tell the children of Israel that to tell the priests, uh, tell all of Israel, but primarily the priests are going to teach these commandments to the nation of Israel, to all of the people, and they are to follow, they are to listen, they are to hear, they are to put them in their heart. In fact, we can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it was the responsibility of the mothers and the fathers of the children of Israel to teach their kids the commandments of Scripture. But, but in, its, in its grand scheme of things, it was the priest's responsibility to teach the nation at large, okay? And so it's kind of like, like what we're doing tonight. You know, as the pastor, I'm to teach you the commands of God. I'm to give you what God says in His Word. Now, if I don't do that and I fail in those responsibilities, what's going to happen? Then... Yeah, okay, there's a lot of things going to happen. You will not get what you need spiritually, but because that responsibility falls on me to give that to you, then there is the possibility of God cursing me. Now, when I say cursing, I don't mean he's going to use words and cuss me out. I mean he's going to bring a curse upon me. I mean, and, and, and there are multiple things. In fact, In fact, I want to do this. This is interesting. I read this, this this morning, and I thought this was very, very interesting. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 27 real quick. I want to show you something here. Now, 27 begins, <clears throat> begins that. I, I told you that what that verse said uh, just a moment ago. 
when, when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River, they, they were to do something with the commands that God had given to them. They were to take stones and set stones up and then they were to put plaster on the stones and then they were to etch into the plaster that was put on the stones the commands of the Lord. They were to do that when they crossed over the Jordan River. And that was a part of a memorial that the children of Israel, every time they walked by, they were to say, what are that? You know, the kids would say, what are those rocks up there, Dad? Uh, you know, what are those words up there? What does that mean? And they were to rehearse those commands to their children and to anybody that came by. So, but, but look at this, if you would. <clears throat> I, want, I want to skip down just a little bit to... Uh, Verse 14, okay, chapter 27, verse 14. Now, remember that it was the Levites, and I told you this already. The Levites was the, the ones that handled the priesthood. They were Aaron's, uh, the, Aaron was the first high priest, but he was a descendant of Levi. And I'll tell you why, that it was that God picked Levi in just a second. But watch this, in verse 14. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination of the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and putteth it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Amen. All right. So all the people, so what are they doing? They are rehearsing this and they're teaching, they're, they're proclaiming this, this commandment to all the people. Which we know that that is one of the commands that God had given to them. Thou shalt not make any graven images, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This falls right in line with all of that. <clears throat> but what I found interesting are some other things that follow. So, so the Levites, they're, they're rehearsing this and they're proclaiming this. They're, they're preaching this to all the people. And, and they are, uh, uh, they, they're, they're making sure that uh, they hear these things and giving them to the nation of, of Israel. But watch this. Watch what happens now. Look at verse 16. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. What in the world is that? Look at 17. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. Hey, I'm going to go move the fence, honey. I'll be back in a little bit. I, that, that wasn't just the fence. In, in those days, a landmark was just a, sometimes it was just a rock on the corner. How many remember back in, I, I've walked with farmers before on the land. I said, how far is your land? Though? Well, it goes down that creek right there about in the middle of the creek. And then you see that 12th tree on the right. It goes over to there. And then you come up the hill to a big rock. It's a red one. Make sure. Don't go past the rock now. You can't hunt over there on the other side of the rock. But you, got, you can hunt on this side of the rock. Like, what in the world? They knew the landmarks. But he said, cursed be everyone that moves the landmark. All right? Everybody said amen. Verse 18, cursed be he that maketh a blind to wander out of the way. And all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow. Hmm. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovers his father's skirt. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, 
Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly. All the people shall say, Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Wow. There's quite a few commands in there, aren't there? I mean, some of them can be a little bit provocative. I get it. And all that stuff. We would never think that. Some people think that some of these things that are listed here are not wrong to, in today's society because that's the way society has gone. But according to the laws of God, they're wrong and they are cursed. Now, because you have heard these things, all the people said, and you've said it, amen. You say, I agree with what you're saying. I, I agree because we do agree with the commandments of the Lord, right? Do we agree that all these things are wrong that he's mentioned? Right. Thank you. I got, I got a couple amens. Somebody started to, but they didn't finish it. What is going on here? With, with comes, what comes with the curse? If, if they refuse to follow the law, and especially verse 28... If, if we confirm, and we've just confirmed that all of these things are the law of God, and yet we don't follow them, guess what happens? Curse. You know, that's not all. What is it about, what is it about the, uh, uh, the, 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 these men? What is it about the law of God? Is God trying to be um, um, so stringent? That we can't live? No. God's just a righteous God. He's a holy God. He's a just God. And He just wants people to do right. That's all it is. Look at this. I'm not going to read everything in chapter 28. But watch what happens here in chapter 28. Uh, let's see here. Where can we start? <clears throat> let's start at verse 15. He says... But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, we're Deuteronomy 28. Uh, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, what to command thee this day, that all these curses shall be upon thee and overtake thee. Now watch this. Now what? From verse 16 all the way to the end of the chapter, and the end chapter ends at verse 68. All right? Did y'all see that? From 16 to 68, there are laws and curses and things that are handed out to the people that are disobedient to the commands and the laws of God. Here's what was happening. In Malachi's day, they just were not teaching them. They were not following. Maybe they, they, you know, they're thinking, well, what God said, it's so burdensome. I want to do this. Because, yeah, that's a fleshly thing oftentimes, not a spiritual thing. Look at this, verse 16. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. My goodness. Oh, how, 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 how am I going to be blessed if I'm cursed in the city and cursed in the field? Where am I supposed to live? Oh, hang on. Don't forget the purpose behind it. That is this, from verse 15. If we do not hearken to the voice of God or the commands of God, no matter where we are, we're going to find a curse. That's what he's saying. Everybody with me? Everybody understand? Okay. Watch this now. Verse 17. 
Cursed shall be thou thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of the body and the fruit of the land and the increase of the, of the kind or the cows and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou saidest uh, thine hand unto uh, for to do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee from off the land whether thou goest to possess it. Listen, I'm reading this and I'm scared. I, I'm like, you know what? I want to follow the commands of the Lord. I want to be obedient to what God says. I don't want to go against I don't want to go against what God says in his word. If I'm supposed to be kind to my neighbor and not move his landmark, right? If I'm supposed to be uh, if I'm supposed to be nice to my my in-laws and I'm supposed to do that, otherwise I'm going to get a curse. Why would y'all get quiet on that one? Oh, I said in-laws. Hmm. Uh, let me just read the Bible. <laughs> Verse 22, the Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, with a fever. That's a consumption is a disease of the lungs. And, and, and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with a sword and with blasting and with mildew. And, 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 and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. And, and thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come up, uh, down upon thee until thou be destroyed. Oh, my stars. Are y'all seeing what God's saying here? Do we understand how important it is to follow the commands of the Lord and to do what he told us to do? All, and, and again, God's not being burdensome with this. What God is doing is he is he's being righteous and holy and he's being just and it, it's that it's it's we all should understand this if if we would just learn one simple truth to do what's right then we don't have to worry about the curse it's just that simple and i know somebody's going to put their hand on their hip and say well now preacher that's the old testament and that's to israel all the Word of God is applicable to every person that puts their faith and trust in the Holy God. Just as He is the God of Israel, He's also your God if you put your trust in Him. Is that not right? And if you put your trust in Him, then that law is still as applicable to you as it was to them. I, I'm, I'm fearful of the curse of God. I'll be honest with you. You see how God was disappointed? Watch what he says. Look at this in verse. Let's go. I'm not going to read the rest of Deuteronomy 28. It would be fun to read that tonight when you get home. I say that facetiously. It would be fun. Go back to Malachi. Go back to Malachi. Let's go back there for a minute. Watch what happens. I want to read verse 2 again. If, if you will not hear, if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. 
Everything that I've blessed you with in the past is now going to be a curse. Yea, I've cursed them already, he said. And the reason he says, I've cursed them already, he said, I'll do it, but I've cursed them already, is, is, is because the, the, the spiritual leaders, the, the priests in that day, they weren't teaching correctly the, the laws of God and the commands of God. And the only reason, because they didn't put it to heart. Oh, God really didn't mean that. God wouldn't do that. Have you ever heard this before? God wouldn't send anybody to hell because He loves us. You heard that before? Well, that's a lie. We know that's a lie because God's just. God does love everyone. However... If a person is not going to put the law or the commandments to heart like he said here, then there's the curse. Look at verse 3 though. This is interesting. Verse 3. He says this, Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feast, and one shall take you away with it. What does this mean? The seed here is not their posterity seed. It is the seed, the fruit of the ground, the harvest. The, the priest relied upon the harvest of the people because that's how the people tithed to the, to the Lord and how the priests lived. They lived off the tithe of the people. And so he's saying, I'm going to corrupt the seed. There will be no harvest. If there is no harvest, there's no grain. If there's no grain, there's no bread. If there's no bread, you don't eat. Because nobody, uh, nobody can give a tithe of what they don't have. That's kind of hard to do, isn't it? It's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to give an offering when you don't have anything to offer. But here's the worst part about it. And notice very carefully the wording says, I'm going to take the dung and I'm going to put it on your face. Now, does everybody understand what that is? The weight, it's the waste of the animals. The waste of the animals was, was to be gathered and taken outside the camp and it was to be burned. All right? That's what was supposed to happen. But God said, because you failed in your responsibilities, because I'm disappointed in, in the fact that you have not taught what you're supposed to teach in the commandments. You haven't done what you were supposed to do. And so therefore, I'm going to take the dung, what was supposed to be taken outside and burned, I'm going to take and I'm going to put it on your faces, and you are going to be taken outside the camp. Because you're wasteful. You've wasted my time. You've wasted your breath because you haven't given the truth like you're supposed to. Wow. Now, God's not... Would you agree with me? God's not being mean here at all. God's given them fair warning. He's warned them back in, well, hey, look, we just read it in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. We started in 28. We didn't finish it. But, but he, he gave them plenty of warning in 28. Hey, that, all the curses that he mentioned in Deuteronomy 28, they, they're, they're coming about right here because these guys were doing the very thing that they were told not to do. Hmm. Nothing's more disgraceful than to have the dung spread on their faces. Nothing more disgraceful. Because it was simply their failure to follow the commands of the Lord. 
Look at this, verse number 4. Verse 4, he says, And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, the emphasis again is on the fact that God's given the commandment. The emphasis that God has given the commandment and, and you to the priest, he says, you've disappointed me. Because I made a covenant with Levi. Which is actually the next point. The first one was the commandment given. The second one, number two, is the covenant explained. So the first thing, the, co- the commandment from verse 1. The second, the covenant mentioned in verse number 4. And it includes verse uh, that, that last part of verse number 4, 5, 6, and 7. Let's look and see what he says. Verse 5, my covenant was with him of life and peace. Him who? Levi. What is going on here? It's clear that Levi received the covenant based on his own reverence for the Lord and for the law. When did that happen? All right. Remember when Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai and he was there for 40 days and and the children of Israel, they were all just like discombobulated and everything. And they're, they're, they're frustrated because, where's Moses? Where's Moses? And Moses was still up there. And, all, and he hadn't come down yet. And they're saying, well, we got to do something. We got to do something. No, they didn't have to do anything. They just needed to wait. Sometimes we don't need to do anything. Sometimes we need to wait on God for God to work his Work in a person's life or heart or whatever. So anyway, and we know the story, right? So they gathered all the gold together and they put it in the pot. And court and in Aaron's words, we just put it all together and now popped this golden calf. We know that not to be true. When Moses come down, Moses was furious. Because Moses had just received the commandment of the Lord. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt have no graven images. And what did they do? They broke the first two commandments before he even come down off the top of the mountain. So here's what Moses said. He said, all right. He broke the tablets of stone, remember that. And he said, all right, who's going to be on the Lord's side? Now, Mind you that Moses had also received the other law. He would also received the instructions for the tabernacle and everything. He received the instructions. I'm sorry, he received the instructions after this event. But because Levi, the tribe of Levi, were the only ones to respond to Moses on that day. Moses said... Who's on the Lord's side? The only one to respond was the tribe of Levi. So God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And God made a covenant with the tribe of Levi. You're going to be the ones that handle all the the priestly things within the tabernacle and the temple. All the sons of Levi were the ones who... Who, who took the, the tabernacle down and they carried it and they, they handled all of those things. That was the covenant that he's referring to here. 
they had a very special place in, in, uh, in the heart of God because they were the only ones to, to say that. We learned about that reward of their commitment in Deuteronomy chapter number 10 and, and, and verse number 8 and 9 because the Bible says there in Deuteronomy that they were given life and peace. And isn't that what he just said here? Look at verse 5 again. My covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. In other words, Levi, the tribe of Levi, the sons of Levi, they reverenced God and reverenced his name. They feared his name. They, they, were, uh, uh, they were fearful of the curse that would have come upon them. Verse 6, watch what he says. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. There's something happened. This is a, actually a testimony of Levi. A testimony of Levi because of his fear and reverence of God. Notice, first of all, the thing that he, he uh, uh, part of his testimony was his words. The law of truth was where? In his mouth. And iniquity was not found where? We understand what iniquity is, right? We know that. That's sin. So, so he's saying, he said the law of truth. What's the law of truth? How about this? The book. The word of God. The law of truth was in his mouth. And he said iniquity was not found on his lips. So his words, truth came from his mouth. And he spoke in righteousness without that iniquity. And when he spoke, it was not for selfish gain. The only thing that Levi spoke through this covenant and according to this covenant was for the truth's sake. There's a second thing about him. And that was, that was his walk. Look at this. He says, verse 6, the middle part. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. What is this? What is this? This has to do everything to do with his conduct. His conduct was so pleasing to the Lord that, that the Lord was, was uh, he met God's approval. His conduct was such. His walk was such, and his walk, we mean by that, his manner of life was such that he pleased the Lord. And the idea is this, the whole whole purpose of that, that phrase, the idea is that he had a very intimate fellowship with God in his walk. It was a it was a close relationship that he had with him. That's what he's referring to. This is part of the part of the testimony. Because of Levi saying, I'll stand with you, Moses. I'll stand with the Lord, Moses. And the words that he spoke. There's another thing. Not only his words and his walk, but then there's his witness. Notice this, the last part of verse number 6. He, he did turn many away from iniquity. Meaning that, that he would not walk away from God, but instead he walked away from iniquity. And he, he led others and turned others and taught others to walk away from iniquity as well. And what a great testimony that he had. Would to God that we had that kind of testimony. That the words that come out of our mouth and would be righteous words. Or those words that come off of our lips are not iniquity. But that, that our conduct was right and pleasing to the Lord. And that, that we would be able to lead and teach others in the, the right way as well. That's a great testimony. That's a great witness. Notice this in verse number 7. He says, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge. 
and they should seek the law with his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. This, verse 7, don't miss this. Verse 7 is the ministry of the, 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 the priest, the priestly office that God intended for them to have. He wanted them to have this ministry. He wanted them to be that messenger of the Lord of hosts. He wanted them to keep their focus upon God and focus upon the law. The law being and meaning every word that God has given, every word that God has spoken, every word that is written in the pages of Holy Writ. Keep that law. That's part of that ministry that he is supposed to be involved with. But the problem with these guys... They disappointed God. They just didn't do it. While they were to be God's messengers, there was a problem. Look at this in verse number 8. Verse 8 and 9. If you'll give me five minutes, I'll try my best to explain this. Verse 8 says, But you are departed out of the way. Here, third thing is the corrupt actions their corrupt actions what do they do instead of following the law of God instead of teaching it as they were supposed to they departed out of that way listen there's a certain way that God wants us to behave and act and talk and walk and all of that these priests didn't do that and because of that they're receiving curse. What I find interesting is that at the end of this book, God's going to be silent for 400 years. Not going to speak to them. There's not going to be anybody that will be a spiritual leader. That's a curse. When God closes his mouth that we can't hear him, that is a curse. Look at this further in verse number 8. He said, You have caused many to stumble at the law, and you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. What's going on here? Their actions have proven themselves to be corrupt. There, there's a great contrast between the priests in Levi's day and these guys. Huge contrast. There's a, there's a, a, a connection, I'm going to say this, a connection with the priests and the spiritual leaders in this day, Malachi's day, and today. 2024. In Malachi's day, they were careless with their activities and their care for the people. It, was, it just didn't exist. They were more self-serving than anything. That's why God was so disappointed with them. They were falsely interpreting the law. They gave poor examples for them to follow. And it caused others to violate the law as well. And others to violate what God had given to them. And as a result of that, they received the curse. Nobody wanted to follow the corrupt priest in that day. Making the law of God ineffective. We, we should be that way too. We don't want to follow something that's wrong. 
or ineffective. And, and, and here's where a, a huge connection comes into play. Watch this. I may have to elaborate a little bit more on this, but I want to bring this out tonight. This is where I really wanted to get to. All of this, what the priest did, the disappointment that God had received, or, or that, that, yeah, that the Lord had received of these guys, led to the, the, the spiritual leaders in Christ's day. All right? Now, we all know who the spiritual leaders in Christ's day were, right? Pharisees. Jesus didn't like them too good. Remember? Call them a bunch of snakes, a bunch of vipers, hypocrites, and so on. Watch this. Those priests in Malachi's day, and this started before Malachi's day, but it just escalated to the point that it was. And then, then God was silent for 400 years, and then we have this group of priests in Jesus' day. But here's what happened. They added oral law to the written law. All right? Don't miss this. They added oral law. Everybody knows what oral is, right? They added oral law to the written law. They, they added tradition to the rituals. Mm. They added to Scripture. They had Those oral laws were man-made traditions that they created for, them, for themselves and for the people that were nowhere found in this book. A very similar thing has happened in the Christian, I'm going to put that in quotation marks, Christian culture of today. We have a lot of things that are tradition that is not scriptural. So, so this is what happened in that day. They, they found themselves, the rabbis made decisions. The rabbis, the spiritual leaders, supposedly be the spiritual leaders, they were so disappointed to God. They hadn't followed the law of God. They added oral law to create tradition. But then they made decisions based on rituals rather than Scripture. Mm. <coughs> more over time, they added more and more and watch this, to the point of mystical interpretation. The Pharisees in the days of Christ had some mystical interpretation and some far-fetched speculation to the point of there was, there was some, made some sense and then there was a lot of nonsense. Right? There was some truth, but there was also some garbage. Huh. There was, there was uh, uh, some good commentary, and then there was some worthless tradition. Huh. Does, it, does that sound familiar? In the day in which we're living in, guess what? You take churches across the street. We just had missions, and I know when they give those percentages of Christian in those countries and all that, it could mean anything. It doesn't necessarily mean there are Baptist people there. It means that there are people who do not claim Jewish or Muslim or Hindu or Buddha or something of that nature. And what's happened is that there's a lot of sense and nonsense. Truth. Let's call it truth and trash. <laughs> 
there's commentary and then there's corruption. Instead of the truth prevailing, the hearts of the Jews, uh, those oral traditions overcame, and uh, oral traditional things overcame, and the truth of the law and the hope of the Jews and receiving Christ the Messiah just did not exist. So you know what Malachi says? Shame on you. Where does he use that word? Verse 9. Therefore have I also made you contemptible. The word contemptible means much to your shame, shameful, despicable. This, all of this has, has created a problem because you haven't kept my, law, my laws or my ways. And it's a partial law. Did you see that? It's part truth. But there's more untruth than real truth. So God was a little disappointed, don't you think? He was here. Hey, hang on, hang on. There's a bright side. The bright side is, hey, he made a covenant with Levi. Remember that? And that covenant with Levi was uh, a great covenant that God had made. And there's multiple blessings that would be involved with him. Anyway, there's the disappointment. Now, when we get into the last part of chapter Number two, it gets a very, very interesting. It's a little bit more personal. Because he talks about some things that I find very, very interesting. But we'll look at them next time, all right? Let's pray for prayer. Father, we love you so very, very much. We're grateful for your blessings and your kindness, how good you are to us, Lord. Thank you for the blessings that we receive. Thank you for the warnings of the curse that comes. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we glean from the book of Malachi to learn much, as much as we possibly can to avoid the dangers of the curse. I thank you for the people and the attention everyone's given tonight. We love you for what you will do and how that you will work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, I know I went overtime. Oh, my goodness, I went overtime. Something about that cough drop. It's lasted a whole lot longer than, than the other ones I had. Anyway, uh, real fast, let's do our, our uh, two missionary letters and then we'll pray. I need to update you on a few things. Who do we have first? Brother Barley?